back in Voyager after our little uh, escapades with with Metal Gear Suitor and weird cave people. It's, it feels good, Peter. Does it? <laughs> Does so it? Much, I have so much to tell you. I wanted to start, though, by letting our audience know, which has grown. Our audience has, has steadily uh, grown over the last couple months, uh, and I'm happy to say that, uh, that we love hearing from you, and we are always happy to take email questions. We always push the Facebook group because you and I, that's our social media of choice. But it's not where any fun everyone. happens, man. Like, I get a lot of personal satisfaction seeing these threads pop up that we're not initiating. There's some real good Trek conversation. And like you said, the, the fan base has grown. We didn't, it's not like a blow up overnight thing, you know, there's, but people are thoughtful, you know, and I, I think there's a union of congenial minds and I appreciate it, but I understand when people don't want to throw comments and stuff up on Facebook because, you know, some people don't want their shit hanging out in public. Absolutely understandable. So to those of you within the sound of our voice and you've, you've got a question, you got a hot take, you got something that you just want us to address at the top of the show, a little mailbag segment action, we would love to hear from you at please at gmail.com. You know, it, it don't be shy. We will, we will happily engage with you. We do this to entertain. And, you know, when people, when we shout into the void and people shout back, it actually feels pretty good. It's the fun for us. And uh, a shout out to the group as always. Lots of good uh, Trek discussion. I think there was a, a whole thread you started about the all of the original sins of Basics Part 2 because I think you were extra angry after we got done recording that one. Yeah, that one was, uh, that was like a mind crawler. I thought I liked Basics Part 2. By the time we were done recording it, I was like, I think I got a gripe with this. And then just going back on it, I, I, got, I got myself all worked up. I got hot. <laughs> I, I want to take credit for that because here's a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, I convinced Peter that the right way to review that was to look at each segment of the story separately rather than do it in the chronological order of the episode. Cause I knew that would distill the hatred because one part was so much worse than everything else. And it did. It brought forth the beast from Peter. I felt it. I felt it happen in real time. And it was good. It made for good radio. You cannot take credit from jerry and it was jerry who made me <laughs> jerry mad. taylor actually did it mm -hmm. all right man well this week uh i'm gonna outpace you because we're doing probably as far as like on a personal level the episode of voyager i i hate the most and that is season three episode two flashback i need to tell you a story can i tell you a story you have to tell everybody a story all right well i'll tell everyone then if i have to I mentioned at the end of the last episode how much I love Star Trek VI. Star Trek VI is my favorite piece of Trek. It is. I saw it at the right age. I was already watching Star Trek with my dad. We were watching TOS. I was I was watching TNG, but I was just finally like old enough to appreciate something as layered as Star Trek VI when I saw it. I was like. 12 13 ish like you know junior high and the whole cold war allegory thing made sense to me and nick meyer is such a great director as far as you know 
Star Trek two and Star Trek six probably being the best cinematic experiences as far as Star Trek is concerned, that it elevated everything in it in a way that was it was funny. It was it felt it felt real, yet it felt like Star Trek. I loved it. The pacing of the movie is great. The dialogue, the quips, everything that comes out of McCoy's mouth in a whole movie is is solid fucking gold. I love Star Trek six. I adore it. Okay. Now, back when this episode came out in 1996, because we're in September of 96 right now for for season three, it was the 30th anniversary for Star Trek, right? Right. Big deal. DS9 did a special episode and Voyager did a special episode to celebrate the 30th anniversary. And DS9's episode is one of the best they ever made. All right, that's the one where they go back to the Trouble with Tribbles episode and they like splice everybody in using like Forrest Gump technology to make it look like they're in the episode. Fucking fantastic. And I saw they were going to do an anniversary episode for Voyager as well. And the teaser for the episode made it look like it was this wild time travel plot with fucking Janeway and Tuvok on the bridge of the Excelsior with fucking Captain Sulu, right? Straight out of Star Trek VI. I was so fucking hyped for this thing. I was like, holy fucking shit. Are you kidding me? They're going to do an episode on my favorite goddamn Star Trek movie? Are you shitting me? This is going to be rad as fuck. This is going to be awesome. I'm so ready for this. Yes. Let's do it. And then I watched it. I was, I understood what disappointment truly was. (laughs) So that, I just needed to set the table on that. That this, I hate this episode because it disappointed me so totally that upon rewatching it, I realized it wasn't as bad as I thought it was at the time. It's still not very good. But at the time, I was angry. I was angry at the show. I didn't watch it for a few weeks. I was just like, <laughs> no, no, you've no Jerry Taylor. You've burned me for the last time. Mm. So I don't I, I don't know. If anybody else out there is like totally in love with Star Trek six, the same way I am, but this, this was, this was a soul crusher for me. Well, let's get into why. How do we start this one, Peter? Uh, the way that I'm going to start the majority of these Voyager recaps, and that's <clears throat> talking about Tuvix. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me tell you a little story about this. Uh, we were supposed to record this episode last Wednesday and, uh, it is instead Sunday because we had stuff come up and my computer motherboard died and blah, blah, blah. But anyways, we were supposed to watch this or, you know, record this a while ago and I stayed up and I tried to watch it. And this episode was so fucking boring. It put me to sleep. So I had to watch this thing twice to make sure I got it all. Ooh, uh, sorry. Some, I, I might be a little bit muddy on some of this early stuff, uh, but we we pick up in the mess hall. And you got Tubok and you got Neelix sitting there shooting the shit about something. They're there alone. What, what are they talking about? Coffee blends? No, uh, it, this is what Neelix is trying to get Tuvok to 
drink his fucking orange juice. <laughs> mm, right. And they're kind of going back and forth about, you know, well, what do you like and what should I make and blah, blah, blah. Two Vicks happened. They were one person. And we have never gone back and discussed at all what the hell happened at the end of that episode because they just both transport in, look at each other, and just homeostasis is achieved and they just wander off their separate ways. Assuming that they were cognizant of the events, like, shouldn't they have the most intimate knowledge of each other possible from from orange juice preferences to the most shameful memory to the biggest regret to the greatest joy to the secret fetish like they should know each other better than they know themselves they should and it would make for some really interesting character development if their relationship seemed to grow as a consequence of the fact that they know each other to a a level that makes them both uncomfortable that's why i'm saying they'd know you know you should Tuvok should know Neelix better than Tuvok knows himself because there's things Tuvok won't admit to himself and Neelix won't admit to themselves, but they would readily recognize it a flaw in another person instead of a conversation where they could just been like, man, you know, it's crazy. We used to be the same guy. Any any sort of just awkward discussion about it or anything. No, instead, they, they have a conversation like two strangers that just met over a McDonald's breakfast. Yeah, yeah, they, they they continue to do this odd couple thing like they never were joined and fused for several weeks as the same person. So that pissed me off. Neelix goes and he jumps and he starts going down some story about the food he's making Tuvok and how his mother was a great like on Talix. A uh, big part of Talaxian culture is you discuss the history of the food. And it's funny that he does it and Tuvok finds it so annoying because isn't that like part of the millennial food experience now is like knowing the history of the chicken and Portlandia (laughs) pokes fun at it. You know, I want to visit the farm where Petey, the chicken was raised and I want to know his parents and I want to know the person who handled his eggs. Neelix is going down this story. He gets behind his literal hobo trash can fire cooking apparatus, which I believe you have had tempted to say once or twice as some sort of higher tech gadget than it really is that it's not some sort of (laughs) cracked open fuel pipe that he's ignited. Yeah. There was some reference to there being thermal panels and this whole setup uh, on top of these city garbage cans, cheap city garbage cans. And sure enough, apparently uh, uh, one of them is malfunctioning and almost caused the, uh, the fire that we keep, keep saying is, is within Voyager's future. Hmm. And a devastating one at that, since we know that their fire suppression systems will no doubt fail again. It failed there. You know, this fire like rages out for a second and he has to contain it with a pot and pan. There's there's no magic force field of fire suppression. But this whole scene is completely pointless because ultimately Tuvok gets called to the bridge where it turns out Voyager has found yet another source of unobtainium that is somehow makes the ship better. Uh, Ceruleum is what it's called. It's a gas and they they find it in this nebula and there's this quick uh, around the horn talking about all the groovy things they're going to do with this particular form of unobtainium which is like the fifth one that they've found on the fucking show so far. Mm. 
<laughs> I, I noticed Paris didn't jump in like, I'm going to use it to turn into a Ninja Turtle again. <laughs> I wonder what this one will mutate me into this, this time. I'm going to kidnap Chakotay. Maybe we can make babies too. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of glad they don't bring that one up. Like the two Vix thing not being brought up, there's meat on that bone. I, I'm really glad they never readdressed Janeway and in Paris's love that dare not speak its name. Um, you know, if I was Starfleet and I had seen infinity and became all knowing and went through a terrible, um, Cronenberg mishap. <laughs> yes. I would suppress the, you know, speaking of a, a, a flashback episode about suppressed memories, I would suppress the fuck out of those memories. <laughs> Fair point. Speaking of suppressed memories, I mean, that's kind of where we go next. Uh, Tuvok suddenly starts having these space seizures. Yes, space space uh, mind problems as this nebula comes into view on the on the view screen. He starts to his hands quiver. He's unsteady on his feet. Um, He. gets uh, excused to go to sick bay and literally like stumbles his way there while having some kind of vision of a small girl in his like juvenile hands falling from his grip off a cliff and, and to her death and Time then collapses into, into sick bay at the end of the vision. But yes, go ahead, Peter. He starts having the space seizure on the bridge. Janeway's talking to him and he just zones out and like you said starts like spasming and the whole bridge is looking at him like dude are you okay and to Tuvok's credit he's like no I'm not I'm freaking out permission to go to med bay sick bay and they're like yeah and they just let this guy go off alone <laughs> not, not yet yeah, not a single person goes goes with him I get that they not don't do site transport but like it if you've got a guy who is usually one of the toughest people on the ship and he looks like he's about to have a heart attack, maybe now yeah, is not the time to. <laughs> is Smoldering Catcher guy just not able to just like grab his arm and be like, all right, buddy, let's go. Like, come on. Nobody. Harry Kim. I mean, nobody. Like, no, nobody. Janeway. I mean, nobody. So, yeah, he he gets to the uh, sick bay, collapses through the door. Kess just so happens to be there and he grabs her like, oh, fuck, I don't know what's going on. I'm freaking out, man. And uh, yeah, he is freaking out. I want to pause here and say. Tim Russ does a killer job. Selling this. This medical emergency, Um, and maybe it's because he always plays Tuvok so. So flat that anytime we see some variation on it, it gets better mileage, but I think genuinely um tim russ does really good physical acting and i would say that in a pretty boring episode these little episodes that he has of uh medical problems do stand out as strong points i i want to issue at an overall appreciation for tuvok in a in a sort of measured way um he consistently is one of the worst characters to have as the focus of an episode but that is not the actor's fault it's 
the way they've written the character. He is very good at playing what they are asking him to do. It's what they are asking him to do that is the problem, you know? And to think it could be worse. I mean, I was looking at the show notes on this episode. You know, we've talked about it before. Tim Russ is a Star Trek nerd. He knows Trek better than the writers, clearly. And, you know, he'll take the writer's to the mat and and be like, no, this isn't how Vulcan should act. And this is out of genre. And this should, you know, here are my recommendations on it. And for the stories we've heard about how difficult it was to get script corrections made, uh, the fact this guy was willing to put in the the time to fight these writers and, and do right by Trek, I think is a big deal. So I agree with everything you said. On that note, we uh, we do the cut to the credits, and when we come back, Tuvok is hanging out in the real talk corner uh, with the Doctor, talking about what happened and the vision that he saw, and that he said it felt real, but he has no memory of something like that happening. Uh, Doc runs through some potential things that could have happened, but ultimately puts some doohickey on his on his uh, neck, some some sort of giant cereal silver. box what's that it's another cereal. they the, they love putting big cereal box sized sticky devices on tim russ's face and neck area is that standard this is a a space medicine doohickey you know like in star trek they love these fucking things and they all look the same they all look like the same plastic crap that you you fish out of a Cracker Jack box and they slap it on his neck and that's going to record all of his brain activity. So if he keeps freaking out, at least they'll be able to figure out what's going on the next time it happens. So, hey, buddy, next time you have like a stroke or something, we're totally going to be on top of it. I I'm thinking back on TNG. I think they were a little slower to accept the preposterous. I think the doctor is very go with the flow of I don't know what the hell kind of craziness this is, but I'm up to to figure it out. And I don't know if it's because he's AI or just, you know, sci-fi has evolved and the viewers at home are a lot more easy to get by and on this stuff. But the doctor's line here, I think, is the best line of the show. And I think it really encapsulates space horror stuff that we've touched on before. Um, and just the amount of BS that they've been dealing with on Voyager. And he says, I don't know what happened to you, but there can be any number of explanations, hallucination, telepathic communication from another race, repressed memory, momentary contact with a parallel reality. Take your pick. The universe is such a strange place. And that touches on, you know, so many different themes that we've discussed on a lot of season one, really just, you know, how many different ways any of these plots can go. And a lot of times they're not willing to take any other potential resolutions or causes uh, into consideration. And and I think it's cool here that at this point they do show that they do cast that wide net out and have to narrow it down. It's a, it's a long troubleshooting tree to figure out what's wrong with people on Voyager. I, I, I completely agree with you. The, the fact that, they leaned in for probably the first like it stuck out to me, too, when he said it, that he just leans in to all of the crazy shit that it could be and goes, could be any of that. I guess we'll try and figure it out. 
we have commented also on the fact that everyone seems readily accepting of these things, but it's been more of a subtext of acceptance rather than explicit. I think there was an episode where Janeway was seeing shit, uh, persistence of vision, and everyone's like, yeah, they just bought it, right? They're like, okay, the captain is seeing these visions. We're just going to believe her 100%. We're not going to question that if she's going space crazy. This is this is happening precisely the way she's describing it. This is more a actual admission that space is a cosmic horror that is going to kill you. <laughs> like, it could be some nutty shit. Yeah. Whatever. It's and weird like- out here. And like in Persistence of Vision, you have to take what people are saying at face value because time is crucial. If you sit around doubting people, bad shit could happen. And fold that right back in a non sequitur. And the problem I got with Harry Kim being so shy about, you know, saying something loony, even though it was the truth. Absolutely. So they get this uh, this big box taped on his neck and they're going to record what's going on and the next time this pops up they think they're going to have a leg up on it um tuvok gets released from sick bay and goes about his day uh with what looks like that's that's what i called it in my notes it looks like he has like half the frankenstein bolts <laughs> it's true like he's got the left one all he needs is the right one then he'll be ready for halloween he has a bit of a mishap when he goes to engineering to talk to balana and and Harry about trying to figure out what's going on with him. They're scanning this nebula because he suggests that they use a, a tachyon sweep of the nebula to detect uh, uh, cloaked ships because they're close to Klingon space. Mm-hmm. And that's when everyone gives him the uh, the look that everyone gives their grandparents when, you know, they they start talking about things that happened 30 years ago on accident. You know, like, do, do you need a nap? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And um, he has another seizure and sees the vision again of the girl falling off the cliff. And that's when they finally get to the point of what's happening to Tuvok, which is that he's having some kind of memory repression issue that in in uh, in Vulcans is fatal that they their brains are so hyper-focused on things that when they have repressed memories, it physically attacks the brain tissue. The new, you know, in TNG, the old standby plot device was that the Enterprise had to escort someone to their diplomatic mission, and that's where you got the plot for the show on. I feel like in the absence of these diplomatic escort episodes, Voyager's new standby is just going to be uh, today in freaky, lethal Vulcan biology, Tuvok's life is going to be in danger because of X or Y. Because if you remember <laughs> like, last season, it was, uh, oh, geez, what was it that endangered his life? Now I'm going to look like an asshole because I can't remember the fucking thing I was just sitting here making fun of. Sorry. I don't oh, like uh, when his his logic sensors in the brain DNA misfire and meld. And they have oh, to like right, right. reboot his fucking brain before he dies uh, because Lon Suter infected him with the murder. So, yeah, the the wacky world of Vulcan physiology is going to become the endless spring of plot devices for him. Did we pass over the building block portion yet of his uh, Vulcan children block therapy? 
I think that I think that did happen some point in there, but can you know it, it it's it it seems like a scene that served no purpose whatsoever. The purpose it served me was Kess, who I'm still kind of waiting for her to get annoying, and I I want her to get annoying. And even with stuff like her swinging by to say hello to Tuvok isn't getting annoying. And and I just want to recognize my prejudice going into this uh, series and thinking that she was going to be the worst part. And she continues to not be to my amazement. I uh, I what I don't understand is the, that they still just won't use Kess more when it comes to this like psychic stuff that happens like. As we're about to discover the way to fix this problem is a mind meld and why it is that Cass isn't a better choice for that since she has psycho psychic psychic powers on a mild level is never addressed or never spoken of. More surprisingly. Yeah. So, OK, he, he's got a uh, suppressed memory and in Vulcan physiology, it is literally rotting his brain. And yeah, the only way to fix this is to intend intentionally address the memory you're gonna have to do it with a mind meld and tuvok says i considered asking some of the other vulcan crewmates and that was like wow there's other vulcans on the ship i haven't seen a single one i didn't see any on the planet surface in basics part one or two um all the psychic issues that have come up in prior episodes that have had to use tuvok specifically you've got kess you've got tuvok you had Suter, even though he didn't have, you know, the empathetic powers. And you've got other Vulcans who just don't exist on screen time. Yeah, I, they're going to start addressing that this season. You're going to you're going to meet some other Vulcans. That's cool. Uh, I I thought that was in, in, the, in context of that. The fact that they teased that out without showing you any of them. And later on, they come back to it. I thought that was appropriate. Uh, I I agree with you that. It's it's something that probably should have come up before now, but you know now they've decided to go that route. Um, the the fact that uh, you know it's got to be Janeway is really just because that's clearly who they wanted to pay for the episode and they wanted to focus <laughs> on. Um, it's at this point, by the way, the first time I watched the episode where I was really starting to feel the disappointment. Where I'm like, what? Where is this going? Like, is is it is it not going to actually be like time traveling wackiness with Captain Sulu. What's happening, right? And what happens is that we spend the majority of the rest of the episode in these uh, mind meld situations. And the mind meld situation is that Tuvok is trying to take Janeway back to the trauma because that's supposed to to be the technique via mind melt that uh, Tuvok can address the trauma and not have his brain rot out as a consequence of it. But when he tries to do that, he takes him back to a very specific point in his personal past, which is when he was an ensign on the USS Excelsior during the period of Star Trek VI, specifically kneeling over the dead body of one of the ex background extras from that movie that had lines commander Valentine, And that's where kind of the, the part of the episode that deals with the past uh, begins. And what I, good I'll say about this part is that George Takei is awesome. Yes. 
He's the fucking man. He, it, it made me desperate for more Captain Sulu. The set looks perfect. Mm. Does it? I thought they did a great job of making it look like the movie set. Maybe the lighting was off or something, but I really thought that all the stuff back on Excelsior just felt really cheap and shitty. I think that's just because it was TV. I, I It looked close. And of course, they have the 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 old style movie era, you know, old British Navy uniforms on, which I always liked. Yeah, but I will say that when Janeway eventually gets in one, she looks like complete shit. I don't know. Yeah, if they, they don't just... have one well fitted for her. <laughs> no, like nobody else ever had a uniform anywhere near that size. So she's wearing like an XL when she should be in the medium. It it looked bad. Um. Yeah, you know, we've been talking about a lot of side bullshit up to this point and for something that should be really exciting. Hey, we're on the Excelsior. Um, it was really boring and I love the Excelsior. It's my favorite, I think, Starfleet design. Uh, I was really excited to see around the ship and kind of play in that era. And it all came off feeling like a bad LARP, I think. Uh, it did. Sulu's use was good. Um, I felt like Tuvok scenes in the Excelsior. So they have the mind meld. And in this setup, it's like the quantum leap of mind melds because Tuvok's there and he's brought a guest along. But uh, Scott Bakula, played by uh, Tim Russ in this case, his um, his Al... <laughs> His holographic friend that's there pounding on a, a a Lego PDA is Janeway. And only he can see Janeway and hear Janeway. And Janeway can wander wherever she wants in the memory. But she's just watching until little vignettes complete where he reenacts the past. And then he freely talks with Janeway, um, essentially out of character. So you've got in-character memories and you've got out-of-character Voyager interaction. Um, and I think that, uh, like you said, Sulu, George Takai, you know, jumps right back into the role. It feels good. He's got some heroic stuff going on. He just found out that, uh, Bones and Kirk are in trouble, uh, somewhere in the Klingon empire. And he's going to take the Excelsior, uh, rogue against Federation orders to go rescue his friends. And then you've got the bad part of the Tuvok in this episode where he goes up and captain, I protest, uh, this is against uh, ordinance X, Y, Z and blah, blah, blah. And he's just this total sissy. And it's such a bad face for Tuvok. Yeah, the, the, the use of what Tuvok's backstory to like preface doing this at all is so dumb. Like the idea here is that Tuvok kind of got forced by his parents to be in Starfleet, didn't like it. And was just kind of this by the book kind of prissy you know stuff stuff shirt you know kind of figure and and this somehow drove him away from starfleet and he learned later on to appreciate what it could be and rejoined it later and now he's like a changed man which is weird to me because he's not but see i I don't want to i don't want to focus on that i need to focus on the good i thought all the backstory stuff they gave him, like all the exposition, like you just said, 
I never wanted to join Starfleet. My parents wanted me to. I indulged them. It didn't work out. I quit for 50 years. I was going to fully dedicate myself to logic. I went through Pond Far. That's when I met, you know, to Paul, my wife. We had kids. That made me, you know, understand where my parents were coming from. I wanted to broaden my horizon. I went back to Starfleet. I thought that was all really good background on him. I think it fleshed the character out. I think this episode did a lot of favors in adding dimension to Tuvok. It's just his portrayal of Tuvok in these Excelsior scenes were just cringy. And I, I felt feel like the, the backstory ideas were good. Yeah, yeah. The implementation sucked. Yeah, but Tim Russ playing in the same room as Sulu, it it felt like watching someone who was a movie star read lines with someone who was a LARPer. God, George Takei is so cool. Uh, in Star Trek Six, like he doesn't have a ton of screen time, but what he has, he makes count. And uh, I, I remember the scene where they're trying to like catch up to where Kang is is uh, not Kang. Uh, Chang is fighting uh, the Enterprise above Kittimer and uh, they're trying to go as fast as they can. And they're they've they're like f- kind of far out yet still. And uh, he goes, come on, come on to the uh, to the helmsman. The helmsman's like, she'll fly apart. He just she, he just snaps back. Fly her apart then. You know, like he's what desperate to help his friends. Right. Like you get that in that line. Like he doesn't have to say, I need to save the Enterprise and Captain Kirk. No, he's like, no, fuck you. Get this goddamn ship there. We got to get this shit done. I'm not letting my friends die. Right. Yeah. In a line. It's, and it's, it's and, he, and he brings that energy to everything that happens here. But the problem is that most of the scenes are recreations of scenes from Star Trek six where only he is giving that effort. Yeah. And the other extras are not. <laughs> Speaking of extras, in uh, six, was Commander Rand around? Yes. Yeah, was same she... role. Uh, my f- memory's fuzzy on six, but she was painful to watch in this episode. Yes. So we're talking about Commander Rand, who was the old yeoman Rand from TOS. Like, you got two original TOS people in here, Sulu and what used to be the, you know, the hot blonde. And... I don't know how she acted in six, but in this one, man, it was <laughs> some more community theater, real stiff. Like, I felt like she was reading lines off a cue card off stage like Saturday Night Live. Of the three extras that had lines, she was the worst. Uh, all three of them were bad. Like, if you watch the scene, opening scene from Star Trek six, and then you see the recreation of it in this episode, it's you said it a couple times. It's like a bad LARP version of the movie. And it was so weird to watch and so disappointing. And George Takei is giving maximum effort to like nail it the exact same way. And everyone else is at like 50% power. They were supposed to have Uhura in this. She was supposed to uh, communicate from the Enterprise on the view screen. And uh, Nicole Nichols was like, yeah, this doesn't really do me any justice. And I declined the invitation of this episode because <laughs> she knew it was going to suck. I, I get it. I mean, uh, I think Leonard Nimoy did the same thing for generations. Like he was supposed to be one of the three on the ship. And he's just like, there's not enough here for, to justify it. You know, call call Walter Cohen. He's not doing anything. <laughs> uh, 
I think Babylon Five's um, wrapping up. Maybe maybe he's in the market for some screen time. Uh, uh, what uh, one extra they had in here was actually some communication that Sulu has with Kang, uh, who's a TOS Klingon, who's actually also a supporting character on DS Nine. That was nice because if you're like a deep Trek nerd, you realize that was what was happening. Hmm. Uh, but that's it. Like that's the only good stuff is. George Decay's great. The set looks okay. And you get a shot of Commander King. Everything else is garbage. I want to dip back to uh, Tuvok talking to to to, to lowly was he a lieutenant or an ensign? Ensign. Ensign Tuvok trying to fucking call out the captain of the Excelsior and tell him that, you know, basically accuse him of um treason. Not treason, but you know dereliction of duty and uh yeah i guess treason um you know he lays it out there and there's a very impassioned speech from uh from sulu about saving his friends and he puts tuvok in his place uh with finesse and then once that memory vignette wraps janeway steps forward and is like Oh, well, hey, Tuvok, you know, you did the right thing. Like, shut the fuck up, Janeway. Like, don't <laughs> get off Tuvok's nuts. Like, he knows he was in the wrong. And you of all people, uh, with your goofy choices you make. That reminds me of a part earlier in the episode when they're trying to shoehorn Janeway into this um, quantum leap situation with Tuvok and why he's not going to use a Vulcan. He's going to use Janeway because... Uh, what's he say? I trust you implicitly. And, uh, you know, basically you're the greatest and you always know what's going on. Uh, look, dude, I was there for the Skeevians. You very clearly don't think that highly of her, you know, seeing as how you went behind her back and violated orders. Like that's always going to be there lurking, man. But, uh, yeah, they, they jump forward. And where do we go from there? Uh, the the overall kind of back and forth that happens here is that Tuvok is attempting to bring uh, the two of them, both Scott Bakula and and uh, his holographic Al, played by Kate Mulgrew, uh, to this cliff scene when he was a kid with this child. But they keep coming back to one of the one of the background extras, Lieutenant Valentine dies and on the excelsior so they're convinced that it has something to do with what's happening to tuvok and so we get all the scenes that we've talked about you get a recreation of when praxis exploded you get a recreation of when they decided to go help uh kirk and mccoy and the showdown that tuvok has with uh captain sulu about it you have when apparently it was tuvok who was pouring the tea that we see at the beginning of star trek six into the teacup that by the way george takei kept as a prop and brought back for this episode nice that, that cup teacup um we see the confrontation that uh that uh, sulu has with kang uh attempting to sneak into the klingon empire and getting caught and then blowing him up to uh, or at least disabling his ship with like uh, uh, blowing up the unobtainium in in the nebula that they happen to be in. 
It's a real jubilee move. To try and like book it across the border and then unfortunately getting pulled over by three members of the Klingon Border Patrol. Mm-hmm. We see Valentine's console blow up and kill him. And you also see Tuvok. Now, they talk in this episode about, you know, oh, life was so much harder in the Federation back then. And you had to bend some rules and they didn't have replicators and they didn't have, you know, their ships were only half as fast. Um, yet with all this caveman tech, they did have forewarning f- for when the Federation consoles were going to explode and kill people. Tuvok's like, hey, Valentine, shit's about to blow up in your face. You need to get out of there. And he's like, yet I am almost done. Click, 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 clack, clack. Boom. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. They know before these explosions are going to happen. Like <laughs> homeboy totally deserved to fucking die on that one. Yeah, I, the uh, the fact that even in the 23rd century, they were packing C4 into those consoles. You know, there's some consistency there. Uh, the the death of Valentine uh, is the focal point. And ultimately, what's happening at the same time that this meld is happening is the, that the doctor has figured out that it's not some repressed memory that's affecting Tuvok. It's that Valentine had some kind of space disease that it got that he, he somehow got. It was a parasite, they said. Yeah. Which, and, spoiler, and the, by the, the, the end, they kill. <laughs> like, yeah. you don't know if this thing's sentient. You don't know if it's been, like, you know, a, a, a symbiotic parasite. It's existed for many, many, many years, as we see. I mean, it's essentially a trill, right? Yeah. It's got a host. It's not causing any problems. It's only by a fluke that, you know, uh, Tuvok's become aware of this repressed memory, and he's picking at a scab, like, you seek out new life and new civilizations. Well, there goes that brain crawler right off with uh, Tuvix in the, the hall of execution that is uh, Medbay. The, I guess the, the, the fluke thing that brought it up is that this nebula that they happen to find the Delta Quadrant is exactly like the one that they had this fight with the Klingons near that Valentine got killed at. And it somehow caused him to start picking at the scab, as you said. Like, that's the whole point. It's totally on accident. Tuvok's had this parasite for 80 years and has not affected his life. So to be clear, is that what's going? Because like. I I, I was kind of curious, like, what what the hell is the point of this episode? Like, okay, he's got this parasite, but why There isn't a fucking point? There isn't a point to this episode. They made this this thing because it was the 30th anniversary. So they wanted to jam some nostalgia in. And they're like, how do we do it? Well, DS9 people did this whole flashback thing to TOS. Well, let's do this uh, shit with the Excelsior and Star Trek Six. Uh, mind meld instead of time travel. Harry. Fuck it. Like, it's just fuck it. Here, this is the premise so that we can get George Takei. Janeway's trying to figure out what the relevance of this uh, nebula is. And she's got Harry Kim working in like the B story, if you want to call it that, of researching this. Um. And Harry's like, well, look, I've got full sensor logs on this ne- <laughs> this rando nebula the Excelsior encountered 80 years ago. And I'm like, what exactly is in the computer's database? Because there'll be times so that there's like pretty pertinent information that they don't have access to on Voyager. And then it's like, yeah, here's some bullshit sensor logs from almost 100 years ago. Yeah, we got all of those. 
<laughs> oh shit! Did uh, did it is Lon Suter a super murderer that we should have had our eye on? Man, that Federation criminal database for uh, the people we were on a mission specifically hunting would have been really keen to have. But no, if you want to know what Sulu ate for dinner eighty years ago, we do have that. I also like during these mind melds. It's uh, Tuvok and Janeway in the Tuvok real talk corner. Of course. But they've stripped the bed out. (laughs) We've got this very dramatic low lighting set. And uh, the medical equipment they're using for this are literally two office chairs that they've just (laughs) rolled up next to each other. So Tuvok can put hands on Janeway. Um, And they have some very dramatic scenes where you find out that the mind meld, which every time they mind meld, you find out it's just a little bit more horrible than you thought it was before. Yeah. And it has basically become juggalo tech where if they die in Tuvok's memory, then it's going to kill them as well. Uh, Eventually his brain damage starts getting so bad that his brain gets confused. Did you watch season 13 of Sunny yet? I have not. They do a clip show episode and they go some really fun directions with it that I highly recommend you check out because they start misremembering things the wrong way and just taking old uh, episode clips and like splicing people in with force gump technology just to completely rewrite them. Uh, I like that. That's so fitting for Sonny. It is like, that's a great thing for them. Yeah. Um, so when it starts happening in this, cause I just watched that episode of Sonny yesterday uh, and watching this one as a uh, two brain damage gets worse. <laughs> Man, his brain is just always damaged, whether it's getting microwaved or delogic or falling apart around a memory. It's it's a bad place to be. Tuvok's got it hard, uh, but his brain starts falling apart and the memories start interacting with Janeway, which shouldn't be able to happen. Sulu's like, who the fuck are you? Why are you on the bridge? Get security. They're going to go in the brig. And I, I thought the episode was going to kind of pull itself out of the dumpster and that we were going to get some good janeway sulu interaction and maybe uh maybe history was going to kind of rewrite itself in tuvok's brain and we we're going to get to see some really cool new stuff but instead uh he resets his memory and they decide that they're going to needlessly beat up commander rand so they can steal <laughs> her huge uniform for janeway to swim around in it uh and she's going to go back to just being this backseat observer uh, for the rest of the episode pretty much i it, it i don't know i it it, it was such a, a tease that it was going to be more than it was that you know i i the second time around i was able to appreciate how good george decay was was in it and how much there was promise in just doing more with him but the rest of it is very boring and Terribly. I'm not surprised you fell asleep watching it. Honestly, Criminally it was, boring. it was, it was the fact it was, it was boring as it was when it just didn't have to be, uh, was pretty galling even now. I mean, so. if we're going to go back into Vox memory, we could at least shoehorn Tuvix in there somehow. <laughs> just think they go back in time and, Oh geez, what if uh, the little girl falling was like a psychic plant and it wasn't really a virus stuck in his head? It was a remnant of Tuvix, and he was doing that specifically to lure Janeway in there so he could Freddy Krueger her in Tuvok's dreams. Man, 
so many rewrites that we could do just by maximizing the use of two Vix. But I don't think it's to be, my friend. So I did like getting some uh, getting some Excelsior time in there. Like I said, I, I love the way the ship looks. I love seeing Sulu. I liked all the Tuvok backstory and the character development that he did in Exposition. Um, I loved seeing that uh, Kathy Janeway used to be a little fatty. <laughs> okay. Eventually, when it becomes clear that Tuvok got infected with a brain parasite from Valentine, it starts spreading over to Janeway. And Janeway, while they're nuking this new life form with radiation in Murder Bay, that'll be our new word for sick bay. It's just going to be Murder Bay. Um, while they're killing this new life form that was undocumented up to this point, she starts getting flashbacks of all of the other hosts that this thing has inhabited and uh, starts seeing herself spliced into this little girl falling scenario. And we see that. Uh, little Janeway was a redhead who was a little husky. I guess you're right. Yeah, just it, it, at that point, I was was I don't think I was caring enough to notice. But you're right. She was a little uh, a little husky is the right phrase. I, I like think that. we all used to be a little, you know, all of the Star Trek nerds used to have a little couple extra LBs on us. So I appreciated that even in the 24th century with replicator nutrition regimens and in an enlightened tomorrow that, you know, kids could still have a little something extra. Well, what didn't have a little extra was uh, any entertainment value to this episode. Uh, they wrap it up with a boy. What a great time it was back in the day. Yep. But I mean, this was this was a. a desperate gamble to do a 30th anniversary show and. You know, they tried to tie it into Voyager through some pretty ham handed logic. They wasted the possibility of the premise. They managed to make interesting information about Tuvok boring. And three out of the four people they brought on from Star Trek six sucked. And really, uh, it was George Takei trying to, to save it for everybody. And he got close, but not close enough. You know, Stop me if you heard this one before, but just failed potential. Yeah, it's like you could it's the refrain we keep repeating over and over and over There's again. There's a hundred different ways you could have taken this episode. I think they would have all been great. And since you get this the snore fest. And if there's anything you should have seen in this episode, if you were a Star Trek producers, it's that George wants to be Sulu. George wants to be on TV. George will give it its all. If you give them people and you just give them a vehicle and you pick this as your 30th anniversary for reason, Sulu's an important character. Unlike Leonard Nimoy and Shatner, the dude wants to be there. Give him his own series. Yeah, but I mean, the, the, the opportunity to do that, I think, maybe even been too late then. Certainly too late now. Is it? I don't know, man. He's really old. I mean, I don't think you. I mean, they're they're having like second thoughts about giving Patrick Stewart a, sh a second show. 
yeah. because of the age issue. I don't know, man. I, when I saw him in Heroes, I was like, this dude can still move. He he knows what's going on. I, I, I'm sure there's some, you know, heavy red tape or money disputes or, or something. But I think uh, an Excelsior series or a mini series would have been pretty cool. And this is an excellent point as to uh, his willingness. And instead, you just get more crappy Jerry out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunate. Anywho. What are we watching next week, boss? Next week, coming down the line, we're going to be on uh, season three, episode three, The Shoot. We see some um, alien dudes. And they're, I don't know, it looks like they're up in Harry Kim's face. Tom Paris and Harry Kim are wrongly convicted of a terrorist bombing. Even though Janeway captures the true criminals, Tom and Harry are imprisoned. I got good news. This is consistently considered one of Voyager's best episodes. Really? Yes. You know, after their trip to uh, visit the planet of the shitheads, I would think that these two guys would know better than to go onto yeah. any surfaces together. Why are you consistently putting the pilot of your ship away from the ship? I guess and, we'll find out. Especially because he's an ex-convict who has already gotten in trouble with the space law. Like, come How on. Times, maybe we need to start tracking shuttlecraft which i'm sure there'll be a shuttlecraft involved in this one instead of counting shuttlecraft accidents we should start counting times that uh tom paris ends up in some sort of space jail i think we're up to he got caught in the shitheads he got caught by seska i'd call that a space jail yes i feel oh uh the vidians had him in space jail yes tom just likes being in the pokey man he does. He and does. when push comes to shove, he goes back to his old ways and he just feels good behind bars. I uh, I got us a rule of acquisition to close this one out. Hit me, brother. Uh, George, he he wanted to get that one last hurrah in. And even though it was Voyager and even though it was a shit script, um, he bit the bullet and tried to give it his best. And, and even that wasn't good enough to save this one. Rule of acquisition 109. Dignity and an empty stack is worth the sack. <laughs> uh, I wish that weren't true. Yeah. Well, George, we thank you anyway for the effort. This is Beecher Please, a hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant. We'll see you next time. He's out.